As members of the Global Farmer Network, we believe agriculture is part of the solution, not part of the problem. We are committed to developing agricultural leaders and sharing their stories across the globe. We have one purpose, to amplify the farmer's voice. My voice. Mi voz. La mia voce. My voice. Welcome to Global Farmer Voices, a podcast by the Global Farmer Network, where we invite farmers from around the world to share their stories and perspectives. I'm Delaney Howell, host for this podcast series, and on today's episode, we're featuring Jim Wilson, a farmer from Scotland who has a strong passion for agriculture, and more specifically, agriculture technology. Jim grew up on his family's farm in Angus, Scotland. Yes, that's right, home of the Angus cattle breed. A graduate from Aberdeen University, Jim made his way back to his family's farm, Fern Farm, which is a typical Scottish farm growing crops in the hilly Scottish topography. So the Jim Wilson story, where do we start? Yes, I grew up on a farm. I grew up on this farm. This farm is called Hilton of Fern. Hilton of Fern is a farm in the north of Angus. Angus is, of course, a very famous area of Scotland because it's where the best beef in the world comes from. <laughs> this farm is an all arable farm. We don't have, we don't currently have livestock here. We specialize in cereals, that's wheat, wheat for animal feed. Oats for milling, for making porridge, that's another good Scottish staple diet. Peas, to build in soil fertility, and also potatoes. Potatoes are another Angus speciality, and indeed Scottish speciality, and in particular seed potatoes is what we, what we specialise in. The east coast of Scotland, where Fern Farm is located, has quite hilly topography, a temperate climate that has the ability to create high-quality and high-yielding crops. But by contrast, the west coast of Scotland does not grow a lot of crops, but does see quite a bit of production of the country's pride and joy product, whiskey. Scottish agriculture is is challenging and can be challenging. Obviously, we are very we're quite far north. I mean, the farm here is sitting at around about fifty eight degrees north. We're well up into the uh, into the northern uh, latitudes. The Scotland only has between five and seven percent of arable land. The rest of it is hills and trees and moorland mountains. And the mountains aren't so much alpine as Arctic. We are much more closely aligned to northern Sweden and, uh, and indeed Finland as well, where our landscapes are much more like that. So the small area that is arable land is usually clustered around the, the east coast of Scotland, and that's where most of the cereals grow and the arable crops are grown. However, in those areas, the, the growing conditions are, are excellent for arable crops because we are so far north, we get a lot of daylight during the summer. We tend not to suffer from drought, although we had a bit of a drought problem last in, in summer 22. But, but normally, it's a very good temperate climate for growing crops in Scotland. And that was actually, that's actually highlighted in that Scotland had the world record for growing wheat and barley yields for many years until the New Zealanders stole it from us, and we are, we are now trying to claim it back. Although it can be challenging farming in the hilly topography that Jim sees in Scotland, he embraced that challenge early on in his farming career. He remembers when he first started farming nearly 40 years ago, technology was vastly different than it is today. 
it's hard to quantify, but because when you live it, you tend not to notice the changes because they're so incremental. But of course, you know, costs have changed, tractors have changed, yields have changed. Although I must admit, yields haven't expanded as quickly as I would have liked to, to have. The cropping has changed, definitely. I suppose from me, from a, a technical point of view, definitely the equipment has changed so dramatically. You know, we've gone from you know, from small tractors. And I will say, even though I am obviously very old now, I never knew horses, but the people that we employed on the farm when I was a kid, they were all, they had all grown up with horses. I never, I was never that, that age, but tractors were, were very small, two-wheel drive usually, and very underpowered compared to what we have nowadays. When I started my farming career, we were using small, usually two-wheel drive tractors, very light, very low powered. We've now moved to very large, heavy, powerful tractors. When we come to speak about some of our work in ag tech, we are, we, the tendency is to move back to those small, small, low powered, lightweight tractors to save soil compaction. Now, what you may not know so far after listening along to Jim share his story is Jim is also a businessman. Dating back to the 1990s, Jim was focused on using technology to improve his farming operation. Eventually, his passion for technology intersected with the research that led him down his own path to starting his own business, Soil Essentials. Jim reflects back on a few moments that happened during his cropping career that finally opened his eyes to the precision agriculture industry. Jim reflects back on a few pivotal moments that happened during his cropping career that finally opened his eyes to the precision agriculture industry. I first got interested in precision agriculture because combining some of our fields, our fields are very variable, as indeed most people's are, very variable soil types, and which lead to very variable yields over the time. And so harvesting a field with a combine harvester, you could tell that one part of the field was very high yielding, you know, a really excellent crop. And yet literally 20, 30, 50 meters further on, it was an appalling crop. There was almost nothing there. And the annoying thing to me was that I had spent exactly the same amount of money and time and effort growing that poor yielding crop compared to the high yielding crop. There had to be a cause of that. There had to be a yield limiting factor. And we, that was the start of my personal route to of discovery, I suppose, to trying to understand what was the cause of these, uh, of these low yielding patches, what the yield limiting factors were, and what, if anything, we can do about it. We started, we, we, we brought in a zero yield monitor and fitted on the combine. That would be 95, 96 was helped by a good friend of mine, Ian Harley. He provided some of the kit. I fitted it onto our combine harvester, and we made some of the first yield maps in 96. And by making the yield maps then, we could then say that actually that high-yielding area was 10 tonnes per hectare. The low-yielding, the poor area, 20 metres away, was probably three or four tonnes per hectare, therefore losing around about 70% of the potential yield. Next steps for us was then to go try uh, during the winter time to go to those low-yielding areas and actually start digging holes and, and taking samples and trying to understand why those areas were low-yielding. Now, some of the areas, farming is a very diverse, changeable industry, of course, and some of those low-yielding areas you can fix. You can find the problem and you can fix it. One of the big areas that where we could we could improve and fix the problem was we found that those low yielding areas were low yielding because they were being limited by low pH in the soil. So about 30-40% of those low yielding areas we had in the farm were caused by low pHs. There were very small areas, 
you know, maybe 50 metres by 50 metres, maybe less, but they had just developed over time because Scotland soils are particularly acidic. Unlike England, England's are mainly alkaline, but Scotland has its own particular soil types, and those soil types have led to a whole different set of soil management rules and soil management sampling methods that are applicable only to Scotland. So we took these cell samples, we identified the low-yielding areas, and we identified the one, the low-yielding areas that were due to pH deficiencies, and then started creating maps and software to apply lime, high rates of lime to those low pH areas to solve the problem. That completely solved the problem, and th that problem has remained absent from then, from the, the late 90s, all the way through to current day. So that's been a huge step forward, a huge increase in yield. As Jim was starting to transition into the business world and precision ag research space, he recognized that there were so many great agriculturalists who came before him and helped give him the foundation for what the business looks like today. The nice thing about Scotland is we've got such a long history of research and development. You know, going back all the way, I mean, Scotland is, I would like to think anyway, is known worldwide for a lot of the, the knowledge and the innovators. Scottish people are pretty innovative. The person who invented radar and TVs just came from not far from here, my local town. I can't claim to all that, but I, I, would, I would claim that I'm standing on the shoulders of a giant. But the tools that were becoming available in the late 90s and the 2000s, the precision ag tools with the release of GPS, we could then start applying those tools to a much smaller area and get repeatable and go back to that area time and time again. And that allowed us to, to start looking at very much smaller field areas, subfield areas, and trying to work out what the problem was there. And with the advent of variable rate applications, then that, that just allowed us to, to solve those areas uh, where we could. Globally, Jim is a leading figure when it comes to precision agriculture. Serving currently as Soil Essentials Managing Director, the company strives to evaluate the latest tools to ensure farmers are able to do more with less. Relying heavily on his farming roots, Jim and the company strive to make a positive impact not only in Scotland, but beyond to many other nations around the world. So Soil Essentials is a precision agricultural company, a specialist company that deals with all a whole range of different precision ag tools and techniques that we supply direct to farmers, but also through companies across the world. Those tools range from effectively precision soil management tools, soil sampling, soil scanning, measurement, area measurement, drone flying, whatever tools we can bring to make farmers more efficient. We also have a machine control department, which supplies farmers, growers, companies with electronics to fit on their tractors, to do either steer their tractors, to make sure that we cut down the amount of time and energy that it takes to apply seeds and fertilizers to those fields. We also supply kit that changes the rate of seeds and fertilizers across the field based on the maps that we make it in the precision ag division. In addition to support that machine control department, we broadcast an RTK signal across the UK that allows those tractors to steer accurately hands-free down to one or two centimetres hands-free. In the third division, we build, we call it the core division, we build software, we build cloud-based software to integrate tools to manage the data that comes from those other two divisions. And we sell that software worldwide, usually to companies who want to support their growers by offering them precision ag tools and technologies. And, and so that software called Core 
is reskinned with their colors, their logos, and their tools to suit what they are trying to do in, the, in their regions of the world. Over the last few years, there has been a huge global push in many countries for farmers to do more with less resources. A huge focus of Jim's has been on starting with the most basic foundation to agriculture, the soil. Soil is a living, breathing, dynamic organism, and farmers worldwide, like Jim, are working diligently to restore the soil and nurture it to its full potential. Farmers are absolutely passionate about their soils. It's where, our, it's where we all come from. It's where we, uh, the source of our, our well-being is. It's where the source of our business is. It's where the source of our civilization is. And there are a raft of quotes out there explaining how people feel how important soil is. And I feel that perhaps over the last few years, as farming has become a little bit more industrialized, a bit more of a business, it's very easy to take your eye off the importance of soil. When you're worried about harvesting a crop in the in the rain or you're worried about the price of the crop or whether the, the farm is going to be profitable, it's very easy to try and just assume that it's all right. It's, it's soil, the soil will be all right. I, th I think I'm very happy that over the last few years, the farmers and, and even in the public's view, worldview, and even the politicians' view has changed back to the importance of soil, soil health, and the amount of carbon that we're storing in the soil. While technology has advanced so much over Jim's career, he says that there is one technology available to all farmers, big or small, their senses. Technology can never replace a farmer's innate ability to understand their soil and crops and use their experience to help make the best decisions possible. I think the, the, the ones I, I keep promoting is thinking about it, thinking about what you're doing, using the, the, your senses. Everyone is now in ag tech. Everyone is very promotes sensors. You know, we've got some amazing sensors, from satellite image sensors to soil sensors. But actually, the best sensor in the world is still the farmer's hands and his eyes and his nose and his ears and his, and his brain. So let's, I think the most important thing is the appreciation of the skills that farmers bring to assessing their soil health and their innate knowledge. Because as you grow, as you get experienced, you understand when the soil is healthy and when it's not. And, and at least your journey is then, you're able to start on the journey of improving that soil health by using your own senses. Now, of course, that those senses are backed up by, as I said, all the other amazing sensors we have, but it's still back to all the technology that we have can't replace the farmer's hands, feet, and feet on the ground. That's number one. And I think as farming becomes more industrialized, the challenge is, is to maintain those farmers on the ground to, to actually enable that to happen, to, to enable us to, to monitor soil health. Aided by technology, absolutely, but the best sensor is still the farmer. Jim truly is a farmer who leads through action and encourages those around him to do the same. His passion for the agriculture industry, and more specifically soil health, continue to be his reason why every day. We want to thank Jim for taking the time to share his knowledge and story with us on the podcast and for the continued work he does for agriculture. If you're interested in learning more about the Global Farmer Network's mission and its members, seeing some of the things the organization is up to, and finding out how you can get involved, please visit globalfarmernetwork.org.
And if you'd like to support the Global Farmer Network through a donation, you can do so at globalfarmernetwork.org forward slash donate. If you enjoyed the podcast episode today, be sure to subscribe and follow Global Farmer Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube. Until next time, I'm Delaney Howell, and this has been the Global Farmer Voices Podcast.